Hello and welcome to Invisible Hate. I'm Sadia Khan. And I'm Asa the Butt. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, Invisible Hate is a weekly true crime podcast in which Asad and I attempt to uncover the ugly truths behind various hate crimes, both recent and historical. Yeah, that's right, Sadia. As many of the listeners know, a lot of the cases that we discuss involve crimes committed against minority groups. Our goal is to determine through a discussion of the nuances and the complexities of what's happening, whether or not these transgressions can be considered hate crimes. And just a disclaimer to our listeners that while these crimes are really important for us to discuss, they can also be challenging to listen to. So please make sure that you are feeling safe and well while you are listening to this episode. Sadia. Before we get started, though, I want to hear how your week has been. My week has been fine, Asad. We are okay, which is a blessing. And yeah, I mean, there are a few exciting things happening at Immigrantly. So we are launching a Gen Z podcast. What does that mean, a Gen Z podcast? You are yelling at Gen Z people? No, we're not yelling. So we, <laughs> it's, by the way, hosted by Gen Zers. So Gen Zers are going to yell at Gen Z. At us. <laughs> or maybe at us. You're absolutely yeah. right. And the podcast is going to focus on American pop culture through comedic lens. It's an extension of Immigrantly's mission to amplify underrepresented voices. I'm really excited. That's amazing. What's it called? It's called Banterly. Oh, nice. So you got Immigrantly and you got Banterly. Should we change this podcast to Invisible Hately? We could have done that, Asad. And there's a fourth one coming out next year, which will be called something with L-Y as well. Oh, Savia, you are quite the marketer. I love it. I know, I know. So how's your week been? I saw a few pictures of you filming stuff. Oh my gosh, that's so <laughs> oh, exciting. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, that we is had really a, exciting. We had an amazing shoot this past weekend out in LA and it was phenomenal. It's the fourth of five short films that we are shooting. The last one is going to be this weekend and it was a fun energy. Sadia, this was <laughs> a period piece to place in the 90s and so oh, we recreated. when we were young. When we were young, yeah, when we were Gen <laughs> Z essentially. And so we recreated an ETH party from the 90s and and it was an Afghan Eid party that took place in, you know, sort of the Bay Area. And it was ah. just so fun. You know, the costume designers and the set decorators, they do such a great job of like, you know, bringing you back into that time period. And so, yeah, it was just a lot of fun and kind of brought back a lot of memories of, you know, those Eid parties where you would just play with your friends in the basement while your parents are upstairs, you know, talking and and then everybody comes up to break the fast. And yeah, so I hope that you will enjoy it when it comes out later on this year. I said I can't wait for it to come out and for all of us to watch it. So good job. Wow, thank you so much. Should we get started with the show? Yes. As everyone is probably aware by now, October 7th, 2023 marks the day that Hamas attacked Israel. Since then, Israel's military has been bombing Palestinian territory, namely Gaza. These attacks have claimed thousands of civilian lives. Since October, sources also cite an uptick in both Islamophobic and anti-Semitic incidents and hate crimes around the world. The exact numbers of these incidents are difficult to determine 
States, as you and I know, Asad, have different legal definitions of hate crimes and many prejudiced encounters sometimes go unreported or sometimes people don't feel comfortable reporting to the police and they instead report to local organizations. So there are some discrepancies, just an FII. But an increase in prejudice against both Muslims and Jewish population is undeniable. As the FBI has noted, we are seeing an increase in reported threats against faith communities, particularly Jewish, Muslim and Arab communities and institutions. You know, Sadia, I've actually done quite a bit of research on this topic. And, you know, I think this podcast is, you know, we've talked about this a lot in that hate crimes happen all the time, but are vastly underreported. And so I have no doubt that the numbers of crimes or prejudice against Muslims and Jewish populations are increasing, you know, across the world and, you know, maybe specifically in North America. I do want to point out, though, that it is, as you mentioned, really hard to quantify and there really isn't any good data on it. So, you know, Sadia, I think a lot of prominent organizations that report on kind of hate crimes uh, within their communities or even the FBI itself have reported an increase of maybe hundreds of crimes over the past couple months. But Sadia, as we've talked about on this podcast multiple times, there are up to a quarter of a million hate crimes that happen every year and most of them go unreported. And so I have no doubt that, as I, I mentioned, the prejudice, the hate talk, especially online, has increased substantially. But yeah, it's just really hard to quantify exactly how big a problem this is. You're absolutely right, Asad. We are covering a few cases, but we don't know how many hate crimes have already occurred. Rather than deep diving into one case in particular, as usual, We will discuss a few different incidents. Now, I just want to tell our listeners these cases are very recent. They all happened this year, since October. This means that many of these cases are still undecided in court. And as we've learned on this podcast, final court decisions can take years, right? But it's still important to share the information that we do know, at least for now. It's a sensitive subject, but it's also crucial that we discuss these matters. If we don't discuss, who else would? Because our podcast is basically dedicated to reporting on hate crimes in this country. So, Asad and I think it would be irresponsible to stay silent after recent events. With that being said, let's begin with our first story, which is the murder of six-year-old Wadie Al-Fayoum. So this story takes us to Plainfield, Illinois, a suburb outside of Chicago. On Saturday, October 14th, 71-year-old landlord Joseph Chuba reportedly barges into the ground floor of a home where he's rented out two of his rooms to a Palestinian-American family. This family includes 32-year-old Hanan Shaheen and her son, 6-year-old Wade Al-Fayoum. According to our sources, Joseph tells Hanan that he's angry about what's going on between Palestine and Israel. And in response, Hanan says, and I quote, let's pray for peace, unquote. From there, not long after she speaks, Joseph tries to choke her. Wow. And then attacks her with a knife in hand. Mm. 
Forensic pathologists describe this knife as a quote-unquote military-style knife with a seven-inch blade. Wow. You know, Sadia, I'd heard this story. Obviously, this has been all over the news, especially it's been spreading across the American Muslim community. I didn't know the, these details. Um, you know, I knew that what, what happened, but wow, it's crazy that she was trying to essentially diffuse the situation and then he still kind of continues and attacks her. Oof. Exactly, Asad. Now, the exact order of events is fuzzy after that, but multiple news outlets write that at some point, Joseph shouts things like, and I quote, you Muslims have to die, mm. and you're killing our kids in Israel. You Palestinians don't deserve to live. Wow, and this is all just a week after the attack, right? Absolutely. Now, Hanan runs to call 911, but Joseph moves further into the home and attacks Hanan's son, six-year-old Wade Alfaimi. Hanan tries to protect her child, but she's stabbed multiple times, while Joseph attacks her son as well, eventually stabbing him to death. Oh my goodness. Authorities say that Wade suffered 26 total stab wounds and died that same Saturday. His mother, Hanan, however, is alive and is recovering from her wounds, at least the physical ones. I need justice. How can you live without justice? And how you will be in peace without justice? Asad, as I'm reading this, I cannot, cannot imagine the pain she must be going through, the mental, the psychological, in addition to the physical pain that she suffered. It's just so, so gut-wrenching. It's it, it's such a random act of violence that she didn't provoke and her son obviously didn't provoke and just, I imagine, happened so quickly with someone that she knew. And yeah, just brutal for her to survive and then find out that her son has been murdered. Just absolutely horrific. Exactly. And what's odd about this story is the fact that weeks earlier, Joseph Chuba did not show any signs of such hateful violence. In fact, family and family friends of the victims say that Joseph was generally very friendly with the family he was renting to. He used to spend time with the family, even bringing six-year-old Wade toys. An article from BBC News states that he even attended Wade's birthday party about a week earlier. Oh, wild. I said, I can't wrap my head around this. How can somebody go from that to killing a six-year-old boy? Right. right. It, I, I mean, it's unfathomable. What in this guy's head switched in a matter of a week that he is going to blame a family that he was partying with the week before? Uh, it's just unbelievable. Now, there is some information about why this happened. But to be honest, I said, no amount of reasoning could ever ever justify such actions. On October 7th, shortly after Hamas's attack on Israel, Joseph apparently grew very angry. His wife told detectives that her husband started listening to conservative news sources that were discussing the situation evolving in Palestine and Israel. And Joseph grew paranoid. 
he withdrew a thousand dollars from the bank afraid that systems would start shutting down now this is really extreme paranoia yeah some doomsday yeah thinking here yeah and then he suddenly feared the palestinian family he was renting to by october 11th he told his wife that he wanted the family to move out i said i wish he had done that yeah that would right. have been lesser evil better than taking their lives mm-hmm. right Totally. Yeah, agreed. And also, we are not sure what may have transpired from October 11th to October 14th, but we do know, of course, that by the morning of October 14th, Joseph had turned his words into fatal violence. Yeah, Sadia. So, what happened to Chuba? Like, was he obviously he must have been arrested, but what happened? Absolutely Asad. So he was arrested soon after attacking this family. He has been charged with murder, attempted murder, battery and committing a hate crime. In his initial hearing, Joseph pleaded not guilty. His next court date is set for January 8th, 2024. So hopefully at some point in the next year, we will bring all of our listeners updates on this case. Yeah, I think there's a lot that I'd still want to know. I, you know, I'd love to know his background. Did he have any connection to Israel? Were there other interactions that he had with the family beforehand? And you know, what happened in that week? I mean, we have a little bit of insight um, into his paranoia, but well, again, for him to turn so quickly in a matter of seven days, eight days, from going to Fadea's birthday party to then murdering him is just a wild turn of events but yeah we will share the updates when they come we'll take a short break but when we come back we'll discuss another case for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Invisible Hate. So Asit, you have a case that you want to share with our listeners. Yeah, this is another one that has gotten a lot of attention and we thought we would share the details of it. You know, this one took place just a couple weeks ago on Saturday, November 25th. Breaking news out of Vermont. That is where three people have been shot in Burlington right near the University of Vermont campus. And according to a school in the West Bank, all three victims were Palestinian and graduates. What happened was three Palestinian students, all 20 years old, were in Burlington, Vermont for Thanksgiving. Hisham Awartani is a student at Brown University in Rhode Island. Kanan Abdul Hamid attends Haverford College in Pennsylvania. And Thaseen Ali Ahmed attends Trinity College in Connecticut. A CNN article notes that the three were friends and were all from the West Bank. And they were in Vermont visiting Hisham's grandmother for the holiday. And then on Saturday, they were celebrating a birthday for Hisham's cousins. 
Later that same Saturday, the three young men went out for a walk, as a lot of people do, and police say they were speaking both Arabic and English, and two of them were wearing kafea. For context, listeners, a kafea is a type of traditional scarf worn in Palestine and in other parts of the Middle East. As the three friends walked past an apartment building, they were suddenly confronted by a man who would later be identified as 48-year-old Jason J. Eaton. Without speaking, Eaton allegedly walked up and fired at the young men with a gun. Two of the young students were shot in the torso, and the other one was hit in the lower extremities. Later, one boy would say that he was afraid Eaton would keep shooting until he killed them, but eventually the attacker Eaton fled the scene, and one of the students was able to call 911. Sadly, we don't have a lot of information about what happened like right then and there, but this is kind of the general gist and what various sources have reported for the day. And it's a very recent case, Asad, so we'll probably get more information as days go by. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. You know, I think the good thing, Sadia, is that everybody is still alive, but far from unharmed, unfortunately. According to a CNN article from November 25th, Hisham was hit in the spine and now has what is called incomplete spinal injury. That means that right now he can feel his legs, but he can't move them. He'll have to go through months of physical therapy, but doctors are unsure of when he'll be able to walk, if ever. This is so bad, Asad. This just makes me so sad. And all of them are students. So this reminds me of how my girls are in college. It just is so, so scary. And let me tell you something. When I heard about this, I called my daughter and I spoke to her. And I can't believe I'm saying this on our podcast. But I told her not to speak anything else except English when she is outside. Now, she doesn't speak anything else because obviously she isn't fluent in Urdu or Pashto. But as a mother... I was so scared that I told my daughter not to speak any other language. How messed up is that? Totally. No, Sadi, I think this is what a lot of parents do. I mean, I remember after the bombing in in Boston during the marathon, my dad was like, don't wear a beard Mm. because you don't, you know, and so I think it's a similar, you know, that's instinctual from a parent, like try not to stand out from the crowd because you just don't know who else is going to be out there and assume that you are one thing or the other and might harm you. And it's a really sad state of affairs, you know, that that is the case. You know, Sadia, one of the other victims, Kanan Abdul Hamid, was released from the hospital recently, which is a good thing. Apparently, Though he was even scared to leave the hospital, which is just... I don't blame him. Again, also. so frightening. Of course, yeah. And the final victim, Tassin Ali Ahmed, is still being treated in the ICU as of this recording. So what about the perpetrator, Asad? Can you give us some information about him? Yeah, so, you know, Jason J. Eaton was arrested on Sunday, November 26th, the day after the attack. On Monday, he appeared in court where he pleaded not guilty to attempted murder police say they have enough evidence to connect Eaton to the attack. They already found a gun inside his apartment that matches the bullets of the gun used at the crime scene. So, Sadia, whether or not this was a hate crime, I think, you know, the victims and the family certainly believe that this was a hate crime, given what's happening in the news and how that's kind of overtaken, you know, everything. But technically, police are still looking for an official motive. 
it can't be ruled out as a hate crime without solid evidence as we've talked on this podcast many times Um, my children i mean my son and the two boys have no idea what triggered him it was a hateful crime after searching his apartment they discovered a large number of electronic devices and this may be helpful in finding you know social media posts or text messages or emails that might prove a hate crime motivation and what's interesting is that there's a hesitation to pursue hate crime charges at this time Prosecutors worry that it will make the process more complicated as they would have to prove both that Eaton committed the crime itself and that he was motivated by hate specifically. Again, we talk about this all the time that like a lot of times it's easier for prosecutors not to go after the hate crime charges. But, you know, sadly, what we do know is that Eaton did not rob them. So that wasn't a motivation, but they have to rule out all other possibilities what do you think is going on here? I said, I truly think it was motivated by hate. The kids were speaking Arabic. They were wearing kafir. They were visibly Palestinian to him, whether they were or not, because there are a lot of non-Palestinians who do wear kafir as well, by the way. And then he just shot at them. There was no provocation on their end. So to me, it seems like a hate crime. But what's discouraging and disappointing is that prosecutors don't see it that way. By the way, if convicted of attempted murder, Eaton could receive five years to life in prison, but a hate crime motivation charge may not actually raise his sentence, which is a bit messed up. For me, Asit, it would be more symbolic than, you know, raising his sentence or anything. I do want him to be charged for hate crime because it will show people that they will be prosecuted if they commit hate crimes. Yeah. You know, I think certainly it needs to be investigated as a hate crime. We should look in to see what actions he had taken in recent days or weeks. And I think You know, understanding his background as a criminal. Did he have a a record before doing anything like this? But in the very least, I'm glad that he's arrested, that he's going to be charged with attempted murder, and that he's going to be held accountable for what he did, because it is a really horrific crime for sure. And, you know, Sadly, this is definitely one of those cases that we will continue to follow and share with everyone as um, updates happen. Now, there are a handful of other potential hate crimes that have occurred in the past almost two months. The information for these is still pretty underdeveloped and we can't possibly detail all the incidents that have occurred because we have 35 to 40 minutes to cover a lot of stuff. And most of these cases are still vague or do not have specific suspects. So we won't be able to go too far in detail, but it's important to identify these situations so that all of us stay informed about the concerning rise in hateful speech, threats and actions. Now, there's the case of Daniel Garcia from Los Angeles, who basically threatened to kill a Jewish family early in the morning of October 25th. Oh my goodness. Garcia was standing outside the family's home, kicking at the door and shouting about how he wanted to kill Jewish people. 
the homeowner heard him and confronted him. He was able to push Garcia into the backyard while his wife called the police. It sounds like nobody was physically harmed at least, but I'm sure Asad, the mental trauma of this incident would stay with them for years to come. By the time police got there, Garcia had apparently removed all his clothes for some reason and then he was arrested. This is a bit messed up though. Some sources say that as the police were detaining him, Garcia was shouting and I quote, Free Palestine and brown people matter. Daniel Garcia has yet to be formally sentenced, but if he is, his threats warrant a maximum of about seven years in prison. There have been various other reports of verbal and physical harassment. A Muslim student at Stanford was intentionally hit with a car as he was crossing the street. The driver apparently yelled, and I quote, fuck you and your people, mm. as he drove away. Fortunately, the student's injuries were non-fatal. And Patrick Dye, a 21-year-old student at Cornell, was arrested after he threatened to shoot up a campus building and stab, and I quote, slit the throats, unquote, of Jewish people on campus. Yeah, you know, Salia, it's uh, you and I are both online quite a bit, and for me, I had to get off of Twitter recently because, you know, seeing all this news and seeing obviously what's going on in Palestine right now, it's really devastating and it's really the worst in, in humanity. But you know, it's still really important to talk about and share these cases with the world because so quickly people can place blame on other people and attack them or say vile things towards them or threaten them and this is not the society we want we want to live in you're absolutely right asit and we've said this time and again on this podcast violence against people is never justified yeah now physical appearance religious beliefs do not make people guilty of actions they did not commit and yet so often Asad we see that if there is a war or an incident in one part of the world it affects the way we see our neighbors classmates friends strangers it's just sad Asad we lose our humanity in all of this I try to remind myself that the vast majority of people in this world no matter where they are are good intentioned and they love their neighbors no matter who they are and want peace and prosperity for themselves and their community and their family and that it's really a minority of people that are causing all of this you know hate and violence and so yeah you know i think just remind yourself that there are a lot more of us than there are of them out there and i think that's an important reminder for everybody positive note we'll conclude on today's episode thank yeah. you so much for listening to invisible hate if you want to learn more check out links in the show notes about the cases that we discussed please email us your thoughts on these stories or any other story that you think we should cover any other hate crime that was perpetrated against muslims or jewish populations that you want us to cover on this podcast you can reach us at info at invisiblehatepodcast.com 
You can also tweet us or hit us up on Instagram. Just search for Invisible Hate Podcast. Yeah, thanks again for listening. If you do like what you hear, please share with a friend. Invisible Hate is a joint production of Rafaelion Media and Immigrantly. We'd like to thank our team, which includes Michaela Strather, Emmanuel Monahan, and Peruma Chokravarthi. Our music was done by Simon Hutchinson, and we'll be back next week with another hate crime for us to analyze. Until then, I'm Asad Bhatt. And I'm Sadia Khan. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.